Hi, thanks for joining us again today. Hope you're having a great week and just really appreciate you coming to spend this time with us to gather around the Word of God and see your heart encouraged. I'd like to talk today on the subject of having a whole heart. Now, this is an important subject. What do I mean by having a whole heart? Having a healthy heart. I'm not just speaking about your natural heart and that's down to what you eat and the exercise that you get. Rather, that heart that's the central place of who you are. Now, over the years, we've spoken on this many times, but I believe that that's a good thing because this is a really, really key subject. You see, having a healthy heart enables you to live well, but also to lead well. The condition of your heart can determine so much of what you do and the quality of life that you enjoy. Proverbs 4 verse 23 gives us this warning. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, you know, above all things, protect your heart because it determines the boundaries or the extent of your life. Now, whichever way we look at that verse, it kind of says the same thing, doesn't it? Protect your heart because the well-being or the health of your heart really does affect the life that you live, but also your effect on others. Now, when we talk about having a healthy heart or having a whole heart, one of the best examples I think that we can look to is a man called Joseph. In the Bible, we read about this man called Joseph, and uh, we read about him in the book of Genesis, and you can kind of read about his whole life beginning to end from chapters 37 to verse 50. But when I read about the life of Joseph, I read about all the challenges he went through, the bad stuff that happened to him, the false accusation, the things that were done against him time and time again. It seems that just like when he's making a comeback, something else happens. Yet you also notice about Joseph, if you read the storyline, that he was a guy who had a whole heart. But no matter what came against him, he was able to process that in his heart and come out strong. I really believe that that's how God wants us to be. Now, God doesn't promise that we won't go through things in life, that people won't do crazy or bad things to us. But he does promise that if we allow the Holy Spirit to be the one who's holding our heart, bringing life into our heart, that even in the midst of troubling situations, troubling moments, we can know within our lives a wholeness in our heart that gives us strength. Now, when you read the story of Joseph, it really is an epic story. I can see why the people at Broadway and the theatre people decided to make um, a whole Broadway show and theatre show about his life, because it really is an epic storyline, not just of a guy having great opportunities, but also a man who had to journey through difficult, awkward, often bad situations. But at the end, we see a victory in his life and indeed a dream come true. One of the names that we give Joseph is Joseph the Dreamer, because his whole journey in the beginnings of Genesis 37 start with a dream, don't they? That he's a young man and God gives him a dream and with ignorance or foolishness, um, he doesn't realize it's probably not good to share that dream with your brothers. One, they don't like you. And two, that 
that dream is going to annoy them. But he goes ahead and shares this dream. And that opens up a whole sequence of events that really don't look like the dream that he'd been given. In the dream he'd been given, God basically showed him he was a prime minister, that he was helping nations, that he was um, above and beyond and in control of everyone else in the nation. But suddenly the brothers take him because they think he's arrogant, he's annoying, and they throw him in a pit. They chuck him away. They pretend he's dead. Now, it's an epic story, but then when he gets out of the pit, there's a time of a prison, and it just goes on and on and on. But it's a diamond, I believe, of many facets. It shows us a man of faithfulness, persistence, and forgiveness. No matter what happened to him, Joseph had this ability to keep his heart whole or his heart in health. Now, it's also, um, like I said, this this diamond of many facets. When you approach the storyline of Joseph, there's so many different angles that you can see different points that God is making to us today about our lives. And uh, another key one for me is he teaches us how we should respond when bad things come against us, how we should respond when we're portrayed, when when things happen that are not just or true. When you look at the life of Joseph, example upon example upon example. But the key thought in the overall storyline of Joseph that really sticks out to me is this simple key thought. It's the importance of keeping a whole heart being in control of the health of your heart, despite what may be happening to you in the moment or the season you find yourself in. Because you read about all the bad stuff, the unfair stuff that happens to Joseph, yet you don't ever really see Joseph broken. It's like he continually stays fresh, keeps moving, keeps trusting God, keeps loving people, keeps forgiving. He remains faithful to the vision and the dream that God gave him as a young man. Now, let's look at this a little bit deeper. Let's open this up a little bit more today. Two things happened to Joseph that stick out among the many things that happened to him. Firstly, he was wrongly accused. That's the one I want to look at, even though it comes after the portrayal of the brothers and the pit incident. I want to look at this one first. But when he's out of the pit, life seems to be going okay. Suddenly, the wife of uh, an important leader in the land accuses him of rape, basically. He did nothing wrong. She had taken a liking to him. He was minding his own business. He was taking care of the business of the man he worked for, which was her husband. And all of a sudden, she makes a move on Joseph. He rejects her, runs out the door. She grabs her coat and then accuses an innocent man, because Joseph hadn't done anything, of a rape-like experience. And because her word was against his word, he was suddenly put in prison for 14 years. Now, we read after the 14 years that God orchestrated a release for Joseph. I don't know how long he would have been there if God didn't have that moment of release in his diary. But we've got to understand that Joseph was in prison 
for 14 years. That's huge, isn't it? Sometimes we think, oh, he might have been put in for a week or two just to um, correct him. No, 14 years, Joseph is in the prison, but he keeps on prophesying. He keeps on interpreting dreams for people. He doesn't stop being spiritual. Again, we see there the facet of faithfulness that was on the life of Joseph. Now, we see Joseph, he could have been bent out of shape. He could have been walking around the prison saying, I've been wrongly accused. That wasn't fair. God, that's not fair. I don't see you in this. Uh, He could have been saying, I'm going to get that woman when I get out. I'm going to get her husband. And he could have been letting bitterness, anger, rage against man, even rage against God, consume his heart. Yet we see he doesn't. But we see that Joseph decides to keep a whole heart. How did he keep a whole heart? I believe that one of the key ingredients of him keeping a whole heart was he didn't stop trusting God. If you want to keep a whole heart, even in moments when things around you don't make sense, when you're being treated like you shouldn't be treated, Joseph gives us this incredible ingredient to a whole heart. Don't stop trusting God. I actually believe, like I shared before, that that whole time when Joseph is in prison, Um, Other people are crying, other people are blaming themselves, blaming others. But Joseph is in prison and I see him doing spiritual press-ups in the corner because he knew that there was a moment when the door would open. Why? Because he knew that God had given him a dream and he hadn't yet seen that dream come to pass, which meant he didn't know how, he didn't know when, He didn't know who would be involved. He was able to entrust all of those bits and bobs to the Lord. Yet he was convinced, I'm not staying in this prison. Probably year one, I'm not staying in this prison. Year five, I'm not staying in this prison. Year 12, I'm not staying in this prison. Maybe other prisoners heard him and said, Well, it's not working out too good, Joseph, is it? You've been here like for 10 or 12 years now. But Joseph remained persuaded in his heart. Yes, this is happening. I'm not in denial. I'm in a moment where I've been in prison for something I didn't do. I've been falsely accused. But this moment won't last because the dream and the promise that God gave me has not yet come to pass. And then we know that there's that incredible moment where God brings everything together. The leader of the land has a dream. His wise men can't interpret it. The guy that had forgotten all about Joseph, the cupbearer, says, I know a man who can answer dreams. Suddenly the leader of the land sends for Joseph. And Joseph that day leaves the prison. This is how quick God can move if you keep a good heart, a whole heart. He leaves the prison. And by the end of the day, he's living in the dream that God gave him. He's the prime minister of the country. He's second in charge only to the leader himself. Isn't that incredible? Why could God do that moment so quickly? Why could God in one day take him from a prison to being a prime minister? I really believe it's because God saw he was a man who had a whole heart. 
that he wasn't carrying bitterness. He wasn't carrying resentment. I don't know how he dealt with those things completely, but I know that one of the ingredients was he just decided he was going to continue to trust God. No matter what people were doing to him, no matter how moments were changing, no matter how his location didn't make sense, God had given him a promise and a dream. And he knew that God would move everything else out of the way for him to be positioned in that dream. And all he had to do was just make sure his heart was whole. But then we look at the other account of when he was portrayed and sold by his brothers. Like I said, I know I've done this the wrong way round. But prior to going to prison, falsely accused, we have the whole storyline of that moment when his brothers throw him in a pit and then tell the father that he's dead. They go back to Joseph's dad and say he was eaten by an animal. They show the dad the blood on the favorite garment that he'd given Joseph and said, your son's dead. You need to move on. You need to grieve. It's pretty brutal, right? And again, it wasn't strangers that did this to him. It was his brothers. Don't tell me that that wasn't the potential for Joseph to get bitter in his heart. For Joseph to get angry in his heart. For Joseph to allow hate to rule in his heart. But again, this is what I love about Joseph. Even in the midst of that moment, he was able to keep a wholeness in his heart that didn't disqualify him from the things that God was going to do with his life. So there's this moment his brothers have sold him out. They forget about him. They move on. <clears throat> the father moves on. But Joseph just keeps on trusting God. He keeps on saying, I know the dream you gave me, Lord. I know that there's a moment coming where that dream you gave me will come to pass. And I really believe that he took conscious responsibility to just keep a whole and complete and a healthy heart within who he was. And then we get towards the end of the story of Joseph and we see that moment when his brothers are brought before him. I love this moment in the storyline around Genesis, you know, the end of Genesis 48, 47, 48. And suddenly Joseph has come out of prison. He's had the favor. He's now second in charge in the land. He's got this incredible God-given plan of bringing um, the crop in for storage, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine coming afterwards. God was using him with that Solomon-type wisdom to make decisions that were incredible decisions. But then there's that wonderful moment when the brothers of Joseph, those who had sold him out, thrown him in a pit, pretended he was dead, falsified his death, broke his father's heart. Suddenly, they come before him seeking his help, but they don't recognize that the Joseph that's standing in front of them as a national leader is the same Joseph that was their brother, who they had thrown in to a pit and despised. But Joseph recognizes them. And it's incredible in this moment 
you see a number of things. You see an incredible picture of forgiveness, but you also get a glimpse into the wholeness or the wellness of the heart that was in Joseph, that when he has a moment where he could get vengeance, when he has a moment when he could get his own back, when he has a moment when he can do good on what they did to him, he didn't use that moment to do anything else but to bless. Come on, isn't that powerful? In a moment where he could have done so many things. It could have been a moment that others would have dreamt of for vengeance. Yet Joseph, in that moment, when he could have done anything, he was second in charge in the land, chose to use that moment as a moment of forgiveness and blessing. Why? Because he was a man of a whole heart that wasn't broken. Now, it's interesting, you read about this moment in Genesis 50, and there's a moment that follows it here where Joseph's dad dies and the brothers are saying to themselves, maybe Joseph was only good to us because our dad was alive. What is he going to do now? Let me start reading from verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we did for him to him? They have an awareness of a debt that was owed. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. And they basically start trying to set up a plan that stops Joseph hurting them because they're unaware that Joseph's heart is whole. He's got no problem with them. He didn't enjoy that season. <clears throat> and they say, this is what you were to do, um, say to Joseph. This was um, uh, an imaginary uh, message that they made up. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Please forgive their sins. And they begin to write this letter. They falsify again. They're a pack of liars, these guys. They falsify again a letter from a father that the father didn't write to convince Joseph not to do to them what they expected him to do. But when they come before Joseph, listen to Joseph and what he says in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. He said, I know what you did, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them as he spoke with kindness to them. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that reveal the condition of the heart of Joseph? In a moment when he knew they'd made up that letter from the dad, he said, guys, you don't need that letter. I have a whole heart. I know what you did to me and I know what you're expecting me to do now, but I don't need to do that because my heart is empty of hatred. My heart is empty of resentment. My heart is good. My heart is whole. I love that, that in this moment, it displays the whole heart of Joseph because Joseph had never stopped trusting God. In the prison, he trusted in God. But even in the moments when he was being disowned, he said, looking back, I can see you meant me harm, but I can also see a tapestry line of God where God was using everything you did to position me in a moment 
where the dream that he gave me could come to pass. Another part of the storyline of Joseph I love that reveals his heart was actually what he chose to name his children. Did you ever think about that? That Joseph gave two specific names to his sons. But in those days, when you named a child, it wasn't like you liked a trendy name, like I'm going to call my kid Kylie. Everybody's calling their girl Kylie. It wasn't like that. When you named a child, it meant that that you were declaring something over their life and over their birth. Now, it says in Genesis chapter 41, reading from verses 51 to 52, listen to what Joseph named his children, because again, this is another window into how whole he was in the very heart of who he was. So it says, Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me or caused me to forget all my troubles and the family of my father. Wow. So Manasseh meant God has made me or caused me to be able to forget all of my troubles and the family of my father. So what Joseph was saying in that name Manasseh is that's yesterday. Everything that happened through the children of my father, my brothers, God has caused me to forget it all. That's great, isn't it? But then it carries on and it says, and Joseph named his second son Ephraim. Now Ephraim, it says, means, uh, it says, and he called his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Again, what an incredible name, because it was in the land that he was now ruling that he had suffered. It was in the land that he was now ruling and second in charge that that incident of false accusation had taken place. He'd been imprisoned in the land and he called it the land of his suffering. But now he's saying, do you know what? God has caused me to be fruitful. God has blessed me. Another translation says it meant doubly fruitful. God has caused me to be doubly fruitful in the land of my suffering or in the very place where I experienced unfair treatment and suffering. Think for a moment about those two names, Manasseh. And that means I forget past injustice. That's what Manasseh means. I forget what was done to me. God has caused me to forget my past injustice done by others. And then you've got Ephraim. I am doubly blessed in the same place where I was so brutally treated. These are two windows into how whole the heart of Joseph was. Now, remember what we said, the storyline of Joseph is like this epic Broadway show where he rises, he falls, he rises, he falls. He gets somewhere, someone turns on him. He's falsely accused, he's disowned, he's despised, he's betrayed. But yet at the end of his days, we find a man whose heart is good. It's whole. 
and he reveals the wholeness of his heart in how he treats the brothers that had treated him so bad, but also in the names he chose for his children. Do you know, we can all go through stuff, can't we? Maybe you're going through some things now. We can all be treated wrongly or portrayed, falsely accused, misunderstood. We can't often change those things that are happening to us, but we can take control of our response that's happening in our heart, that we choose to trust God. I don't understand this, God, but I trust you. We choose to forgive. They shouldn't have done that to me, Lord. But Manasseh, Manasseh, I forget what happened to me through those people. I choose to Ephraim, Lord, Ephraim. I choose to believe that the land I suffered in will be the place of double blessing and double fruitfulness in my life. You see, Joseph was a man of hope. Joseph was a man of faith. Joseph was a man who knew himself and was able to do, like we read in the opening verse, above all things, guard his heart. Because he knew that from the well-being of his heart, his life would flow. I hope that encourages you today, just to keep short accounts. If people have done things to you, hey, we're living in a broken, fallen world. It's more than likely they will. But you don't have to harbour hatred, vengeance, bitterness. Let all those things go. Maybe you've been in situations where you're walking around like Joseph did in the prison. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Listen, have confidence. God sees. God knows what's happened. And God knows who was involved. But God also wants you to have wholeness in your heart so that like Joseph, if ever those people that hurt you stand before you, you can look at them and as Joseph did, give them kindness instead of revenge. Listen, that's the heart of God now in us. And that's the heart, I believe, that pleases the Lord as he watches our life. Hope that's encouraged you today. Have an amazing week and the Lord bless you.